Welcome to the sermon podcast of Northridge Presbyterian Church in Dallas, Texas. I'm Betsy Sweetenberg, the pastor here, and I hope that in this podcast, you see what we seek to do week after week, approaching the stories of our faith with a holy curiosity, not shutting the book because the stories are hard or there are truths we'd rather ignore. Instead, approaching scripture, trusting that God will meet us there, full of grace and truth, teaching us something new about how we are to live in this world God so loves. This morning, we continue our practice of looking backwards at Jesus's life and exploring what might come to light from his life if we consider that word with as we reread familiar texts. Last week, we looked at Jerusalem where he spent the last week of life, and today we are going to turn our attention to Galilee where he spent his working years. His years of ministry all happened in Galilee. In those three years there, he built a social movement. He offered moments of training and truth and healing and controversy. Everything we read about what Jesus did for other people in the Gospels, that happens in Galilee. The accounts we, heard, we hear about the disciples working with Jesus, that's all in Galilee. We're going to return to a story that is probably familiar to you, but I'm going to begin reading just at the end of chapter 4 in the Gospel of Luke because I want you to hear what's happening right before the disciples are called. But before we turn to Scripture, let's pray. Oh God, we give you thanks that your word is a living word. And so we ask that you breathe life on these words today. And may something of what is seen and heard be not of me, but of you, O God, and your grace and your mercy and your compassion. Amen. So listen now to these words starting in Luke chapter 4, verse 42. At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. The people were looking for him, and when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. And he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. You hear that? His ministry is in full swing. People know about Jesus. They are showing up to hear him teach. And then Luke goes on to say this. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, master, we've worked hard all night and we haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. 
So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will be fishers of men. So they pulled their boats up on the shore, left everything, and followed him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Have you ever wondered why Jesus even bothered with the disciples? He seemed to be doing just fine before them. He was already preaching and teaching and healing. That's what Luke tells us. And it seems like he was plenty well equipped to continue doing those things on his own. Crowds were coming to hear him preach. So why even bother with the disciples? This whole story is odd, really. Jesus asking to get in Simon's boat. In in the other Gospels, calling the disciples is a very efficient process. Jesus goes to the lakeshore, sees fishermen. He says, follow me, and they do. Immediately, they drop their nets, and they follow, but not according to Luke. Luke goes to great trouble to spell out this whole encounter with Simon. Now, Simon was just a regular guy. Simon was really good at his daily life. He went through the motions. He did what was expected. He grew up going to the synagogue. He had memorized the Psalms. He had learned the stories of the Old Testament. He learned to fish at a young age because his dad had shown him how to fish and taught him the family business. Simon knew he was going to inherit that business one day. Eventually, Simon got married. He even welcomed his mother-in-law into his house to live with them. So he's clearly a generous guy. He was prudent with his money. He funded his retirement plan, and he saved for his children to go to college. Simon checked all the boxes. His life was routine. And he's in the midst of his predictable routine when Jesus gets in the boat. The crowds are following Jesus, demanding just one more sermon, one more sermon. I wonder what that's like. (laughs) (laughs) you think that'd be flattering for a preacher, but Jesus was exhausted. And that's when he sees Simon, and he asks Simon to get in the boat. Jesus settles in, and then he decides to appease the crowd, so he starts preaching from the boat. Simon was probably feeling pretty good in this moment. He respected Jesus. He'd already had Jesus in his home at this point, and now Jesus was in his boat in front of a crowd, Everyone could see it. Simon and Jesus right there on the water. But once Jesus finished preaching, he shifted his attention to Simon and started telling him what to do. Go to the deep water, he tells Simon. And that's all it took for Simon to snap. We've been at it all night and come up empty. It's true. 
They'd worked all night. They'd done everything right. They had the right equipment. They were well-versed in the best casting techniques. They had put in time practicing and perfecting their craft, and still no fish. They came up empty. You know what that's like? You know what it's like to come up empty? Have you put in the time to get the degrees and the certifications that should make you the perfect candidate and the hiring committee doesn't even bother to call you back? Have you poured yourself into your work, completing all the tasks, doing everything that's asked of you, checking all the boxes, and still you come up empty? Have you thrown yourself into therapy, trusting that if you just put in a little bit more work, the relationship will heal? Or have you gone out of your way for your children, trusting if you just do one more thing, get them to the next school or the right activities or the right friend group, whatever it is that seems to be nagging them and throwing them off will be resolved. But you still come up empty. Have you built a life for yourself like Simon's, doing everything right, doing all that's asked and expected of you and still feeling empty. Simon had done everything right. He checked all the boxes, and he was still empty. And that's when Jesus calls him to be a disciple. Not when he's on top of his game, not after he's taken his company public, not after his child has been admitted to an Ivy League school, not when his bank account had reached a certain balance, not when his nets are full of fish. Jesus calls him when he's empty. I still wonder why Jesus bothers with the disciples. It seems like if he was going to go to the trouble of calling disciples, he surely had options. He'd already gained notoriety for his work, so he could have taken applications if he wanted to. He could have sought out people who might have the skills for the work they would be doing, people who could preach and teach, maybe some doctors who could have helped with a clinic, or he could have just avoided calling the disciples altogether because at the end of the day, this ragtag band of fishermen just slowed him down. So why does he even go to the trouble to call disciples? Why does he go to the trouble of calling these disciples? See, if discipleship is about the ability to do the work, never mind whether it's done well or on time, then Jesus wouldn't have wasted his time with these disciples. But Jesus pays no mind to Simon's work. He doesn't look at his resume. He doesn't offer a job description. He simply got in the boat. Which means that for us, that discipleship must be about more than the ability to complete a task. The Episcopal priest and author Barbara Brown Taylor once told a story about a woman in a congregation she served. She was wrestling with her sense of vocation and this woman had a full plate. She had a full-time job. She had a full family life, responsibilities in the community. She was involved in her neighborhood HOA. She was on committees at church. She even volunteered with a couple of other nonprofits every now and again. 
This woman didn't have time to add just one more little thing to her plate. She did go to church every Sunday, and one Sunday she showed up and she heard her priest, Barbara, preach about discipleship and the priesthood of all believers. And in this sermon, Barbara reflects that she shared that disciples, you and me, are God's great hope for the world. And afterwards, this woman stuck around so that she could find Barbara in the narthex, and with equal parts exhaustion and frustration, she looked at her and said, I'm sorry, but I don't want to be that important. Later, as Barbara was thinking about that feedback, she said, Like so many people who come to church each week, she hears the invitation to discipleship as an invitation to do more, to lead the new member class or cook supper for the homeless or teach vacation Bible school. Or she hears the invitation to discipleship as an invitation to be more, to be more generous, more loving, more religious. No one had ever introduced her to the idea that discipleship might involve being just who she already is and doing just what she already does with one difference, namely that she understand herself to be God's person in and for the world. I think Simon heard Jesus' invitation to the deep waters of discipleship in the same way the woman did. He heard Jesus inviting him to do more and to be more. When in fact, Jesus was simply inviting Simon to be with him. He extended the invitation because of who Simon already was, not because of who he might become or what he might accomplish, because that's not the point of discipleship. Jesus didn't need the disciples so he could accomplish his tasks. The work isn't the ultimate point. The fishing skills weren't the point. The bottom line of the business wasn't the point. The accolades and self-importance weren't the point either. You can't accomplish or perform or buy your way into deep waters of discipleship. You can only be led there. You know, Jesus' very name is God with us. So discipleship starts when we let Jesus live up to his name, when we let him be with us. Discipleship is that word with, put into practical action. The disciples, of course, did go on to do other work, but it started because they were with each other and with God. And all the work they ultimately did was a way to enable people to be with their communities and with God. So maybe it's time for us to let Jesus live up to his name and be with us and find what deep waters await. Go out into God's world in peace. Have courage. Hold on to what is good. Return to no one evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak. Help the suffering. Honor all persons. Love and serve the Lord, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. And as you go, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, 
and the power of the Spirit bless you and keep you this day and always, always. Amen. <laughs>